No yeah, shit. no fuck. I'm saying, I'm <laughs> Marshall, but... What's up, Danny? What up? Nothing much. How your How's your week going? It's going all right. Pretty relaxing, actually. You're rebounding well after that disappointment on Sunday? Well, sort of, I guess. Yeah, the week's been all right, but still, that, that pain's going to be there because we don't have Bears football this week. We do not. So instead of Bears football and Bears things to talk about this week, we have, like I teased on Sunday, we have a half-hour Bulls interview with my friend Benny. And, yeah, you'll get that after we wrap up all of our football talk. And we'll try to be quick so it's not too long of an episode. What is one thing you learned this weekend, Danny? Um, I know it, it might be it's kind of a it's kind of a two and one after that Monday night game. It's that the Browns are still the Browns and the Niners are really really good. I would agree with you on that because I was telling Matt earlier in the week that I thought the Niners were kind of a fake team because they had wins against. Um, I thought the same thing too, but they had, yeah, and they they look legit. Bosa was all over the place. The Cleveland's O line is horrible. Everybody, like, I was even on the Browns. I was on the Browns hype, no lie, at the beginning of the year, but I, I didn't know that they have that bad of an O line. And like Baker couldn't play under pressure. He just wants to run and just throw away the ball. Not one bit. He doesn't want. Matthew, what's one thing you learned this weekend? Uh, man, I learned one thing. I learned is that I didn't learn this. I just was reminded of it that you have to show up every Sunday. Whether it's college on a Saturday, whether it's, in co- whether it's a college football game on a Saturday or an NFL game on a Sunday, whether you're Oklahoma or the New England Patriots or whether you're Akron University or whether you're the Miami Dolphins, you have to show up to play every Sunday. You can't show up and think that you're just, I, we are the Chicago Bears, they're the Oakland Raiders, look at our roster, look at their roster, we've already won the game. You can't walk into a game thinking you've already won. You have to go out there every single Sunday and you have to play to win the game. So I learned you cannot ever overlook an opponent. You have to, that's why the Patriots are such a good team because they hardly, they rarely ever just come up and lay a goose egg like the Bears did. They get up for every single game, and that's the key to Jake's doing some distracting things. Jake's Jake's fiddling with his hair. It's a little distracting, not gonna lie. But uh, yeah, I just learned you got to show up every Sunday or Saturday. You got to you know play at your schedule. Don't just walk into a game and think you've won it before the ball snapped. What I learned is you can't get too high or too low when it comes to watching sports because then that makes you feel like shit. It's something I need to really – it's something I'm trying to practice. It, it's yeah, like, you're, you sound very hypocritical right now. It's something I'm trying to work are you talk, on. Are you talking about drugs? No. What, no, no drugs. Though. I'm talking about sports. Too high. Yeah, like getting too happy and then getting – I'm really just fucking with you. Okay, just making sure, Dan. I don't know where you go sometimes. College football this weekend. This is the weekend I've been talking about. The oh, last, you just like, do your whole thing. Yeah, just, just don't get too high, don't get too low. There's not much behind Would you like to tell us why or anything like that? You know why, but – also relating it to sports. But college football this weekend. Fuck? I've been what? talking about this weekend what? in college football for the last month. What the fuck is wrong? What are you doing? Oklahoma at Texas to open up for breakfast. 11 o'clock kickoff. I, oh, it's going to be a good game. Teaser later. You're going to hear something about that game later for me. Bama at Texas A&M. Shouldn't be that close with the top 25 game. Penn State at Iowa. I would just shit the bet against Michigan to see if they can come back and win that game. I don't think so. USC at Notre Dame, that's always a classic. And then Florida at LSU in uh, – it's called Death Valley? Yeah. Death Valley. Death Valley. I know I sounded weird in my head. I'm ready. Danny, which one are you most excited for? I'm actually really excited for Texas-Oklahoma. That, that's It's just big – like the two most big 12-ish teams that are both actually really good playing up against each other with the over-under being 76, but we'll tease that a little bit. Um. 
watching Jalen Hurts, I forgot who the – I'm already drawing a blank on Texas quarterback. But still, I'm I'm very excited for Oklahoma and Texas just because it's an early game too. Like all – like I don't – I can't remember. Besides uh, Wisconsin-Michigan, but that was a stinker being like an 11 o'clock game on, on a Saturday being like a pretty anticipated matchup. That's a game you wake up with mimosas for. That's what I really like about when like um, in-conference schedules kick in. Then you start getting really good 11 a.m. kickoffs. You really don't get it weeks like one through five, but now that we're in conference play, it's probably going to be like every time slot's going to have a really good game the rest of the year. Matthew, are yep. you really particularly excited about it? I want to know why you just gave your thing to learn that you we're, said we We've moved on. We've moved no, on. From the you second. just started talking over it. We've moved on. Uh, I like Texas Oklahoma. Do you guys want to know why? Why? I'm not going to tell. Go ahead. Okay. I'm kind of excited for Florida LSU. Florida probably has the best defense in the whole country. LSU, this is going to be their first like real, real test. Yeah, they kind of shit and ran over all Texas, but Texas is a Big 12 team. So I want to see how LSU's new and improved offense does against, like, the best of the best. And let's get into the college picks. Danny, you go first. All right, I'm going to start off. When I was looking through it, I, I'm I'm like, ah, I, I don't want to bet those big games because those lines kind of scare me. Like, the LSU line scares me. The Oklahoma, Well, the Oklahoma being 11-point favorite scares me just a little bit. So I just went with the Cincinnati and Houston over 51 and a half. Cause just cause Houston doesn't play defense, they're at Houston. It's going to be really nice out. Um, and the over under for a team like Houston at 51 and a half is pretty low. I know since he plays decent D, but they could also put points on the board uh, over 51 and a half. Over Houston, Cincy. Over 51 and a half. Um, I'm not, I'm, I guess I'm not scared of the big number. I'm embracing the big number in the Red River shootout. I'm taking. Oh, I got it. You want? Yeah, let me go. I want to get my pick. Okay, so my pick is Cincinnati, Houston, under 51.5. I just think Houston has a really good defense. Uh, I think Cincinnati has a really good defense. Houston's starting quarterbacks out for the year. You might transfer. Who knows? You know, there's some weirdness going on, going on around that program. So, I mean, oddly enough, Dan and I have moved bet. I mean, out of all the games, what are the odds that me and Dan would bet the opposite sides won? Wow, that's, that is a weird – Weird thing, man. It is weird. Uh, my pick, I was getting into it before, Texas plus 10 and a half. They're at home. It's an 11 a.m. kickoff game. Recently, like recent years, they've played Oklahoma pretty close, and they even won one of those games outright, even with Baker Mayfield and Jalen, not Jalen Hurts, um, Kyler Murray at Oklahoma. So I think this Texas team is the best team that they've had in a long time. I know Oklahoma's pretty damn good, but at home, 10 and a half points, that's a lot. I'm laying up with Texas. Um, I'll go with my NFL picks first. I'm going to go Dan, then Matt. Um, I am taking the 49ers versus the Rams under 40 and a half. 49ers coming off a big game against the Browns. Not that it was a huge game, but they just absolutely whooped the shit out of them. And the Rams offense is just kind of shitty. It's not consistent. It's not good. It's kind of going through the state. Which number was? Under 50 and a half. I said 40 and a half. No, no, 50 and a half. I think it's a letdown game from the 49ers. I just don't think the Rams are capable of putting up that many points. Daniel? All right. So this pick, I've been running circles around with my brain on this line for like the last day when I initially saw it. And it, it just feels like such a trap, such a trap game that it isn't a trap game. It becomes such a trap that it's not a trap. And it's a Saints plus one on the road against the Jacks. You're buying into Teddy Money, Teddy Bridgewater? I, yeah. I, it, it just – I. I, I couldn't I couldn't believe it when I saw it, because the ja- the Jags they they they're 
playing all right, but not to be favorites, even at home against the arguably the best team in the NFC. I know, even like they've done it. The Saints have won every which way with Teddy Bridgewater. Like when they went up to Seattle, like it was special teams, but they pulled out a victory in Seattle at home against Dallas. Mm-hmm. Fucking grinded out, Got, played yeah. great defense, won that game. The Saints' only loss is to the Rams, and that's when Drew Brees initially went down, so they couldn't yeah. game plan for Teddy yeah, Bridgewater yeah. yet. Exactly, and and I think they're they're so much they're so much of a better team. But like I said, it, my brain has been doing circles about this line. I like it because then, like last week, when Teddy Bridgewater has to throw the ball, fucking throws four touchdowns against the Bucks. Like they have found yep. a way to win every single one of those games. Obviously the Bucks, obviously the Bucks secondary ain't all that great, but four touchdowns is four touchdowns. It, it's not easy to throw four touchdowns. I don't know the last time a Bears or the Tampa Bay game last year when the Bears last threw at least four touchdowns, but I digress. Matthew, this is gonna be hard to believe, Dan, but I, I, I'm taking the Jaguars minus one. And you said you circled around and you couldn't tell. The instant I saw that line, I knew. That's a winner. That's a double chicken and rat dog winner right there. You got Minshew Mania, Sweeping the Nation. You're going to have a whole crowd of uh, people wearing, people with little mustaches. This is their first home game in, like, through, like two or three weeks. Two or three weeks. I just think some home cooks. They played, they played, thir- they played Thursday night. Was that Thursday night game their last home game? I believe so. I mean, they played – I know, like, two weeks ago, I think they played Houston. They played at Denver last week, I believe. Um, and you know, I just feel like you know Leonard Fournette. He got DJ Shark, very good wide receiver. I just I feel like it's like a, you know a layup in my opinion. Jaguars minus one. All right, so that's it for the picks. Last thing we're gonna do before we get to the uh, NBA interview, the NBA preview. Not even NBA. It's a Bulls preview. Uh, we're gonna go kick it over to Matt Stats. Matt Stats this week. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Matt Stats this week. Uh, someone on this podcast is two and six in their last eight picks. Do you know who it is? Does that person want, want to identify themselves? Um, well, by by your picks, Matt, I think uh, we could guess who it is. I think it was me. It was Dan. <laughs> That's why I'm going opposite of Dan. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dan. I don't mean to kick you down like this, but I just thought it'd be we just thought it'd be funny. Uh. Over here at Skyline Sports. God, now if if I go zero and two this week, then I'm just gonna be I'm I'm just gonna like leave this podcast. Yeah, can I base off the numbers, base off the stats? Yeah, chances are probably higher than that you're gonna go into. Well, yeah, go ahead. I, I I've only I've had an zero and two week twice. So, <laughs> not great. Yeah, go ahead. So I mean, if it's very if, possible, really, if 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 it's the if we're playing the law of lar- large numbers, I'm actually in for a two and zero. You're due. You're, I'm due. You are due, but who's to say when that week is coming? So until that time, I think I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna ride that. I'm gonna I, I gotta ride these ones out there. Man, man, do I mean do I mean just send you like every pick that I like, even if it's not on the podcast? No, no, I don't want to do that because I know that's well, too mean. Because I really do like that Saints pick minus plus one a lot, but. Uh, you know, I make promises. I have to keep them. Also, we never discussed. We we meant to discuss as a podcast. The current over in Oklahoma, Texas is ah, seventy. Is seventy six. Yeah, and we have to. We have to take that. Every, mm-hmm. all, every each and every one of us. Jake hasn't bet in like three weeks, and I'm gonna put him in a chokehold after this podcast <laughs> and make him pull his credit card out and put money into Bovada because we all need to be be putting actual money on this on this. And you, the listener. When you get a number of seventy six, 
that's just such a ridiculously high number. You can't not be a part of it. You have to be a part of the part of the uh, the all the rage. Whatever I want to be up to eighty. Yeah, I luckily I don't. Well, I I don't really care. I already bet it at like seventy five and a half. So if it goes up to eighty, I'll just keep laughing. I'll just, I'll just laugh at everyone betting at eighty. But I mean, basically, if you're you're a fucking narc, if you don't take over seventy six, you're not. What are you doing? Nothing. Keep talking. Jake's like flexing. His like, I don't know what Jake's doing. Keep talking. He's not paying attention, but he's doing. I am- yeah, like you're not. You're like flexing, it, looking at your muscles. Talk about the number. You're flexing, looking well, at your number. You're flexing, looking at your muscles. The, the the number just tells us that vague. Like, if you take that under, or you just don't bet it because you're like it's too high, but I don't know what to do. That means you're letting Vegas roll you over and pet you like you're a narc. Is what you are. You're you're, you're, a you're probably a, a big a, fat pussy. You're probably like a mall cop on the weekends. If you know, if you if you can't stack up, take that over. I don't want to take it. I honestly have no lean either way. Looking at normally, I would do stats like, oh, like they average this many points per game. They average, they let up this many points per game. Do that for each team. I enjoy any of that. I just saw seventy six, and I'm like, yeah, count me in. Bingo. Uh, I don't even really want to talk about China, but do you want to update me? You can tell me what's going on with China in the NBA. Oh uh, yeah, I'll give what I know. Then Dan, if anything's wrong, you can correct me. But basically, yeah, Daryl Morey tweeted out that he supports Hong Kong. And uh, the NBA has been making great, like, leaps and bounds trying to connect with their Chinese fan base. And I, I believe that they've kind of pushed that the Houston Rockets are China's team. And Daryl Morey tweets something about, like, pro-Hong Kong, you know, stand up Hong Kong. And there's, like, a political dispute. I'm not going to get into that because I really don't know the details. I can help you with that. And uh, time. And uh, basically there's this political a political dispute going on between Hong Kong and China. And... Uh, so that the NBA did not, or the, China did not appreciate it. They've all all the future games in China for the preseason have been canceled. Uh, yesterday, the 76ers hosted some like Chinese or some Asian basketball team, and fans, Asian American fans, went to the game in Philadelphia, and they held up a sign that said like something about like pro Hong Kong, and they were kicked out of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? The biggest sports TV network in China is no, it will not be broadcasting any Rockets games this year. Uh, multiple businesses have disconnected or they've suspended their ties with the Rockets until further notice. There's one other thing. Oh, if you have, uh, if you bought all NBA, the all, uh, NBA, all the like NBA all season ticket, whatever, where you can like pick a team and like watch all their games. Uh, if you paid for it and you paid, you selected the Rockets as your team, like they're not going to let you select the Rockets anymore. They're going to be off the board. So you can't pick the Rockets. Even if you live in America? No, just for oh, China. Just, China. China. just okay. China. Just China. And then I also heard that they're going to be now pushing the Brooklyn Nets to be, uh, China's new team. So instead of pushing the Rockets, it's the Brooklyn Nets. Adam Silver came out and said, you know, while we can't, like, we don't, like, we're not going to, you know, for, we're not going to discipline Daryl Morey and the Rockets for, you know, freedom. Like, you can't be, this is America. We can't be doing, we can't be, uh, what's it called? We can't be punishing him for his freedom of speech. You know, that's every, every American's right. And that's pretty much it. I don't know. I just think it's interesting that the NBA is kind of rolling over and, like, letting China, like, or, yeah, NBA is rolling over and letting China. They're, bend, they're bending the knee to China. Huh? They're bending the knee to China. Yeah, because there's just so much money over there. So I mean, it makes sense from that aspect, but it's also like when I mean, you expect it, all these big businesses, especially sports. Like sports is, you're, we're reminded like yearly, like sports is a business. If you're no, if you're no longer a necessity, mm-hmm. no matter if you're like like the day Tom Brady is no longer good enough for the Patriots, like he's going to be like chopped liver, cut to the, like cut and put to the side by Bill Belichick. So I mean, there's just no love lost in the in sports. But yeah, that, that's pretty much the update. I mean, I don't know if you guys have anything to say. Yeah, about yeah, but you pretty much you pretty much explained it correctly. Yeah. Any, any other takes on this? Not good for the NBA, at least. 
Yeah. No, it's just crazy. It's just crazy that China has this much influence over um, an American sport. I mean, yeah, but just over over like American like culture in general. It does make sense though, because I mean they have a higher population than the U.S. So I mean, like technically, their fans are probably like getting their fan base to stay aboard with you is probably more valuable than it is to have your own fan base, like your own, you know, like base fan base fans in, in the U.S. Because there's just so many. There's just a lot, a lot of Asian people. I'll say it. So a lot, a lot, a lot of, of Chinese, a lot of Chinese people. So I mean. It makes sense why they're doing it, but it also it's like uh, you're like you're kind of ditching your morals to just yeah I don't know you're, the NBA is kind of ditching their morals and like like we will do whatever you guys want like we'll continue all and another and another another thing to add about this is that South Park literally did an episode making fun of China dominating like Hollywood and like all that stuff last week really and then and then South Park got banned in China <laughs> I mean and then and then South Park came out with an apology last week or like uh, like right when it happened saying oh uh sorry we uh we respect the uh we respect china and uh all that and all your morals and stuff like that and uh unlike unlike the nba or something like that and and so south park is officially banned from china because they criticize chinese influence on american like hollywood and culture and all that jay could you imagine being like a diehard shanghai sharks fan in, in the u.s and then, like, all of a sudden, like, the Shanghai Sharks GM said something that American government doesn't like. And now you're you're no longer allowed to watch Sharks That'd games. Is that just crazy? Is that that's just, like, kind of wild. That's just something, like, like just, I, just think about that for a second. I See? guess I think the better comparison would be, like, I'm not a big, like, uh, England soccer fan. Like, whatever league that is. But say if you're, like, an Arsenal fan or Liverpool, one of those teams. And just, like, one day they're like, nah, sorry. No, this verse seventeen seventy six. Fuck you. NBC Sports just goes the the big well. NBC Sports is the biggest broadcast network. But like we were saying, you know, the biggest broadcast sports the, the biggest sports broadcast network in China is no longer going to show Rockets games. So that those ways airing on like NBC or not? Yeah, NBC NBC Sports. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, could you just imagine they're just like, yeah, no, we're not going to be showing those games anymore because they said something politically for soccer fans. It's against it's against our policies. That's just like a, I don't know. It's just crazy. And and the, it, not something that we're used to this, over here. This might be a weird thing, but the Houston Rockets do sound like they would be like China's favorite team. Why is that? I I don't know why they wear red. Ask, that's all. all I was thinking too. They're the same they color. They wear red, and I feel like James Harden would be. He's he's all he's very entertaining to watch. He doesn't play any defense. Likes to shoot the ball. I think I think you know somebody who didn't grow up like maybe watching NBA basketball and then kind of got into it because it, it, it became more popular. I could see them latching onto the Rockets. I don't know why. And Yao Ming. Uh, I believe Yao Ming is and a big that, Yeah, that's, that's also – why? Did, how did I forget about Yao Ming? Yeah, that's also a big piece. I'm not sure exactly how it fits into the equation, but he has some kind of like – he's somehow in Kahoot, in Kahoot's he like works with NBA China. Like, I'm not – I have no idea what his role is, but like that's part of the equation too. Not only like – like him, like you know, being Chinese, like being Chinese, and like being a big, uh, like him having a role in like the NBA, trying to grow in China, and then also him, you know, being the Rockets' like second overall pick. Also, someone told me today that like throughout like the first like five years of uh, Yao Ming's career, all of his paychecks would go to the Chinese government, and I don't know if that's true or not, or why that would be happening. But I'm gonna Google that right now. I don't know why I'm sitting around like, oh, I wonder if that's true. That's wild. His first five years of checks went to the Chi- to Chinese government. That's what he does. That's what the kid said. That doesn't sound right. I know. I thought but, I was a little confused about it. Jake, you ready to go? But, Jake's, no, like, Jake's just zoned out right now. 
No, I'm 100% listening. I think you haven't said a thing in like... I don't... Well, I need to be... I didn't have a lot of input on this topic. I mean, I don't know shit about college basketball or football, but that's what I'm talking about. I don't want to just talk to talk. I don't. I just don't appreciate your... I feel like you're My so, silence? You're checked out. You're checked out right I'm now. I'm not checked out at all. You're checked out. You're just, I'm not Jake's, checked Jake's, out. Jake's pro-China influence. Yeah, Jake's, yeah, Jake's pro-China. I'm a big socialism guy, so, you know, I, I'll do anything for China. I love Ying, or the Yang Dynasty. Chi? There's a Chi. There's a bunch of dynasties. It's uh, their president now is President Chi. Oh, they're the Chi dynasty. And they and they also like I think the main the one of the biggest reasons was that uh, South Park. Well, because South Park, like what I was saying with them, how being them banned in China, they banned Winnie the Pooh in China <laughs> as well because people were saying that President Chi looked like Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> really, that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> That's and that's and then South South Park made fun of that, and then they had uh, like Winnie the Pooh and Piglet trapped in a, a Chinese prison. <laughs> sure, why not? That's funny. Which I would be surprised if Piglet and and Winnie the Pooh are just somewhere sitting in like a Chinese prison, though. Yeah, fucked up. Shout did, out Pooh. Did you find out if that's true? It's the th- I. I... Like Yahoo Answers thing, and it basically said like they're trying to get money from him because they like helped train him from like young age. But there's really no reliable sources. So I said that, but you take that with a grain of salt. Don't be running around telling, oh, my favorite podcaster Matt told me because I have no idea if it's true or not. So you you can go ahead and spill that take, but you know just know it probably isn't true. Not probably. What if we not. get banned? What if we what if we get banned from China? Like our podcast? I want to get banned. From We'd China. be fucked. We'd be done. Yeah. Oh wait. Uh, oh, can we can we do like a little outro, like saying that uh, we apologize to China? I yeah. Then I'll tweet out the apology to China. Would you like? Since I'm the host, do I have to apologize to China, or do you want to apologize to China? Um. Well, no, I'm not going to apologize to China. Should I apologize to China, or do we, are we doing no apology at all? Screw it. No apology. Fuck you, China. You know what? I'm going to go out on a limb and say I don't think people in China are listening to this podcast. Fuck you, China. That's all I gotta say. Okay. If you are listening, Mr. Chi, I don't respect what you're doing. Let your people watch the basketball. Who's Mr. Well, Chi? President Chi. Oh, I thought you were just, just being like... No, no, no. Pres- President Chi. Okay. Winnie the Pooh look alike. I'm calling you Winnie the Pooh. Alright, we're going off the rails. Um, Danny, do you have anything else? No, nothing. Matthew? No, that's about it. Alright, enjoy the Benny interview. Bye. Hello to a little, we're going to switch it up on everyone here. It's not man Danny with me right now, but instead is my old friend Benny. And people are going to ask, who the fuck is Benny? Well, here's how me and Benny met. My freshman year of college, I went to Loyola for nursing. We had an overnight orientation and uh, Benny was my overnight orientation roommate. The first interaction we had together, uh, Benny was in the room first. And then I walk in, Benny was playing some part of my take and quickly turned it off. And I just had to, I just had to look at him like, Hey. It's okay. Like I'm, I'm a stoolie. I had to pull out all my bar stool shirts I brought along with me. And I don't know. It was just like a weird start to a friendship. It's like ever since then, like when we were at school together, like played basketball all the time. It's like, this is my basketball guy now. So that's Benny. Hey guys. Um, thanks for having me on the podcast, Jake. I mean, yeah, that was a great way to sum it up. That's how we met. Um, it was cool because I was kind of embarrassed because I was in there by myself. Like I was just on my laptop playing some, you know, part of my take and, you come in, oh, I turn it off quickly, and you're like, nah, it's cool. And it was 
I go pull out the Yabo shirt. I'm like, look, yep. we're okay. Right. And then, yeah, it was just, we're both in nursing. I switched to PT since then. You're still chugging along in nursing. You're in your final year. Yep. Like, congratulations. That's fucking tough. Awesome. Yep. Thank you. But yeah, we had a few anatomy classes together. Like, I don't know. It's just, ever since then, it's been a pretty good friendship. Yep. Usually revolves around basketball now, just because I'm not Loyola anymore. Yeah. But this is going to be more of our in-depth Bulls preview because, as May and Danny have said on the show before, they don't try to be experts on basketball. So Benny is the closest thing we have to an expert. And if you do not believe me, you can do two things. One, you can listen through this, make your own judgment. I trust this guy with my life when it comes to Bulls basketball. If you also just want to go to his Twitter, Twitter at WideEyes35. That's his Twitter. Always tweeting about the Bulls. Huge Bulls guy just in general. So on my on my behalf, you should trust him with nearly everything he says. Yeah, I mean – Any other – I've, I've been a Bulls fan and, since, like, the baby Bulls, man. Like, it, it started there, you know, watching Chris Duhon, Ben Gordon. I mean, my name's Benny, so, like, when I heard Ben, I was like, okay, that's my guy. Kirk Heinrich, Nocioni. Like, I was such a little geek about it when I was younger, too, because, like, I'm like, yo, Nocioni's a dog, but, like, looking back in hindsight, like, he was just some European player that, you know, did a couple things for the Bulls. But back then, I was like, whoa, like, this is a guy. This is it. Oh, it was like your first like crush on like a it was like your first time that you saw a basketball player that no one else appreciated and you thought you were the only one that really loved them. Like that's a special place in our heart for all those guys. Well, there's another guy too. Like I don't know if you guys remember Gennaro Pargo, but I was working over at Kids Foot Locker in Woodfield and I was such a big Bulls fan that um literally like two years ago he walked into the store, no one knew him except for me. And I was like, yo, bro, thanks for like being unreal for the Bulls back then even though he was probably not even unreal he was probably surprised that I even recognized him but like just a little stuff like honest, that you said that name I have no fucking clue who that is dude he was like our backup backups point guard <laughs> like he was he was like a third string but for some reason I just remember him raining threes and it was awesome I know fucking like my pre I would say because I don't know I'm the oldest in my family the oldest boy like so, like, I wasn't, like, ever growing up, and it's, like, my older sibling would be watching basketball. Like, I was the one that kind of had to introduce myself to basketball because my dad really didn't care about Bulls basketball. Like, he loved in the 90s. He was an usher for, like, the Jordan-era Bulls. It's, like, he would be at all the games, like, the playoff games. But, like, growing up, like, mid-2000s, he didn't really care for the Bulls that much. So, I think it was around 2009, 2010 is when I really watched started watching the NBA, like, in detail. And that's, I think, why I'm just such a big LeBron guy at this point because it's kind of who I grew up. My, my first, like – holy fuck, this guy is awesome. Well, and ever since I just followed him around. That's not really surprising to me because you know what? Like, I'm the oldest, and I have a brother who's just a year younger. But, like, I feel like your dad and my dad have a lot of similarities in that because, like, they were all in on, like, Michael Jordan basketball. And then once they broke apart, everyone was like, yo, fuck this. Like, I don't want to watch the fucking Bulls anymore. So, like, it's kind of ironic that I started watching around the Baby Bulls because that's when they started making their little runs. Like, they were, like, 41 and 41 for, like, all of my fucking, like, elementary school life. And then in the middle school, uh, that's when Derrick Rose came on the Bulls. And, I mean, like, this is just going to go off into a Derrick Rose um, love fest between me and him. But, yeah, dude, I mean, I don't blame – you for not starting until 2009 or 2010 because honestly there really wasn't much to be excited for yeah so what 2009 2010 i was like 11 or 12 years old like fuck it wasn't like before i feel like an old man saying this but it's not like today when like 10 year olds have ipads and phones like i couldn't just like go on twitter when i was 12 years old and be like oh what happened in the bulls game last night so it's kind of like 
12 or 13, it's like, oh, okay, I'll just watch ESPN at the end of the night or maybe like turn on Comcast Sports and I'd be like, let's see if the Bulls are playing tonight. Yeah. But yeah, all right, so we're going to get into it. We have basically four main questions. There's going to be like the outline for this little interview. We have thoughts on the draft, Kobe White. Um, basically the young core who needs to take the biggest step. The offseason roster moves going to go through the roster with Benny. And then basically at the end, we're going to wrap it up if we think the Bulls are a playoff team, and if so, how well they can do in those playoffs. All right, so Benny, let's get into it. Thoughts on the draft, Kobe White. Okay. I hand the mic off to um, you. So here's the thing. I wanted Jarrett Culver because I actually I, – I wanted Kobe White, but the only problem with that is I thought Phoenix was going to take him at six. So my idea, like, uh, going up to the draft, I was like, okay, that's fine. You know, Phoenix is going to take him at six. And there was another point guard before. I think it was um, Darius Garland. And he, they were saying that Cleveland was going to take him. So I was like, okay, Garland at five, Kobe White at six. That just leaves us with Culver. And I was cool with that because they were saying that he's kind of like Jimmy Butler, but he didn't seem as like – he didn't have the same demeanor and personality as him. So I was like, I'm cool with that. Like, let's get another wing. We're kind of short. Denzel Valentine's always injured. Um, Chandler Hutchinson, like, he was injured for a lot of last year. So let's just cover our bases on the wings because that's, like, the weakest part of our roster, which I will go into, like, later. So at seven, I was like, okay, I'm all in on color. Next thing you know, I think Phoenix trades with Minnesota. Minnesota wants another wing, which makes sense because they lost Jimmy Butler. And uh, next thing you know, he's taken at six, and then we got Kobe White at seven. Now, my buddy, as a joke, he was watching so much Kobe White during the year, and he was telling me, he was like, dude, you need to watch this guy. He's big, he's fast, and he can shoot. And honestly, like, I'm a big fan of Lonzo Ball, and he's a big guard who can just run and, like, pass, and he's just super athletic, right? So in my eyes, I'm like, okay, fine. Kobe White can shoot, too. That's a plus, and he's a big guard. Like, let's go. So I was watching the tape. Um, his performances against Duke were unreal, man. He literally was like, he was lighting up Duke, and he was making it a game. And uh, I don't know, that's just kind of what bought me in. Like, I was watching him. He could take it to the hole. He's pretty strong. He's probably going to need to put on some muscle because he's a little skinny. But uh, he can shoot the lights out the ball, and that's what I'm really excited about because we haven't had a point guard who can do that, like, for a long time or even ever since I've been watching the Bulls. Like, we could go back to Derrick Rose. Like, yeah, he can kind of shoot, but not as well as he can now. Kirk Heinrich, yeah, but he was too slow to get around the the picks and stuff like that to pull it. So I I think this is going to be a new look for the Bulls that I'm excited for. So that's kind of crazy because if you go back and listen to when it was around draft season, my big thing for the Bulls was, and this is coming from 100%, no bias, because I'm not a Bulls fan. I just want, I was just, what would be the best for the Bulls was I wanted them to look at Jarrett Culver and then go 100% in on D'Angelo Russell. Like if they could just fucking sell all their draft capital, go get Russell and then also get Jarrett Culver, your starting five is fucking set. You got wing defense, one of the cars are fucking stud around the rim defending it, and you got basically. Zach Levine is going to drop 30 any second. You have D'Angelo Russell could drop 40 any second. Like that would have been my ideal starting five for them. But I do like Kobe White. I think it was a pretty good pick for them. But I don't know. Like who played like their defense? Is well, here's atrocious. the thing with that. So with my idea with Culver and why I was so bought in on him, I was like, okay, there are some rumblings that we were going to go out and get Malcolm Brogdon and offer him. I think it was like four years, 80 million, which is a pretty decent deal considering his injury history. So I was like, okay, defensively, he can kind of cover up. Uh, like Zach Levine's defensive woes, and then um, we'll be set, right? You know, we have Otto Porter at the three. Next thing you know, we got Wendell or Laurie at the four and the five. We'll be pretty much set. Um, 
But, I mean, it didn't work out that way. I'm kind of happy with the fact that we did get Sato just in case because he can kind of play one through three, um, and then we can have Kobe play one or two. So it actually did work out. I just – I had different ideas before the draft. What was This draft or was it the draft prior that they drafted that guy out of Boise State? I think it was what, the 22nd overall pick? Was that this oh, year or last Hutchinson, year? Yeah. Ah, was, do we that only was have one first year. round pick this year for the Bulls? Yeah, we did. But we got Gafford around like 30 or 33. So unless you want to talk, like that could be considered a first round pick just because, like, um, it was last year that he was supposed to come out during the Wendell Carter Chandler Hutchinson draft. And they had him ranked in the first round. But I think he just was so mid, like this year mm-hmm. or the year before. Um, he slipped a little bit just outside the first round, and I think it's going to be a big time steal. I, um, I don't know if you want to go and talk about Gafford. Yeah, so Gafford, like just watching him in the summer league, I didn't really know much about him. So I was watching him in the summer league, and just looking at the amount of energy he plays with, I'm so excited because I feel like he's a more athletic version of Bobby Portis, and that's what makes me excited. Um, because we need that athletic guy, and like that's what packs and uh, Gar were talking about that they want athletic players so it makes sense that we got Chandler Hutchinson because he did look pretty athletic over at Boise State but when you're playing in that division like of course it's going to make you look more athletic than you really are um, that's why yeah but with Gafford he's just super super athletic um, he blocks shots he's able to you know roll to the basket real quickly and he's so big and lengthy that it's like really hard to stop so once he puts on muscle it's going to be an entirely different game his weakness, of course, is going to be shooting the ball. Um, I mean, I was watching like a Bulls practice video, and I don't know if that really holds much weight, but it seems like he's starting to work on that more, you know, turning his back to the basket and just turning around and shooting. Um, so that makes me excited. That's not going to come this year. You probably won't see much of that at all. You're going to see his athleticism off the bench, his energy that he comes with, and, you know, just the fact that he can go to the rim and really just like, he can yam it on people. Like he's gonna have a couple posters this year, kind of like what we saw with Wendell when he was just super was, raw. That's and exactly skinny what you need because you have Laurie. He can shoot. Wendell, he can shoot. Like you don't need a third guy coming off the bench that can do exactly what those two do. You need that bigger body that's gonna go block shots, fuck people up, dunk on people, like bring the intensity down at the rim. Like I love Laurie. I love Laurie's game. I love Wendell Carter is a great block or shot blocker. But it's like you want that big, thick guy that's gonna go fuck people up. Well, and that's what I like about what they did now with, like, bringing in Thad Young. Because, like, I was watching some Thad Young, um, like, YouTube highlights because I didn't really I didn't really know what he was bringing when we signed him. And from what it seems, he can stretch the floor a little bit. Like, his corner three is not bad. I think he was shooting around 41%. And, I mean, that's not terrible. So if you have Thad Young and Gafford off the bench, I, you, Gafford's um, basically – filling in what Thad Young lacks, which is a little bit of size. So he can protect the rim while Thad Young just kind of does his thing uh, offensively. And I, they just complement each other yeah, perfectly. And that makes me excited. And Thad Young can pass the hell out of the ball, which is awesome for the uh, second unit because Chandler Hutchinson's a good slasher. That's one thing I really like about him is he slashes real well. So if you have Thad Young – just dishing it to him, backdoor cuts all day. Yeah, honestly, I'm that's excited. great for the Bulls because obviously with any rebuilding team that really doesn't have any talent on their roster, you're going to struggle when your bench has to come in. And last year's the Bulls bench was fucking atrocious. But if you can have Thad Young and then um, Gafford just come in behind Lori, behind Wendell, it's like they're not great, but they're definitely playable. They're, they can give you quality bench minutes. Like that's all you need at this point. 
Well, and that's what confuses me because, like, I've heard people say that they're going to try to run Lori and Thad together. So Lori, of course, has said that he's bulked up. He's trying to get better defensively because, like, he's big as hell. So I don't know how that's going to work when Lori and Thad are together because, like, I feel like that's a big hold defensively. So I'm kind of interested to see how that's going to work out or what they're going to do to, like, cover that up. I could potentially see a lineup where it's, like, Zach Levine, like, Shaq Harrison for the defense, and then we throw Otto in there because he's a really good defensively. And then we go Thad and um, Lori. And hopefully what the goal is to have Otto and Shaq just kind of, like, dictate the defensive pressure up top and make it a little easier for – you know, Laurie and Thad down low. Talking about kind of like the young players being transitioned a little bit to like the second topic. Out of Laurie, Zach, and Wendell, who do you think will take the biggest step? And then out of the three, which one do you think is the most important for this team to have long-term success year after year? Okay, so I think the one that's going to make the biggest step, and I think he already did it a little bit last year, is uh, Zach Levine. I think that he is going to be the one that really dictates the Bulls. Kind of like, um, not to like, transition or like compare it to the Cubs but like kind of how Dexter Fowler made Uh us go like during the World Series run I think Zach Levine like if he goes we go and um he's he can put up buckets in numbers and like I think that is important but he's got to be a leader as well and if he can make that step as a leader I think the whole team will just buy in and I think that's going to make us go Mm -hmm. um whereas the person that's important to us, I think it's going to be Wendell Carter because if Wendell Carter can protect the rim and uh, stretch the floor with his three-point shot that he did show at Duke, I think that's going to be a big time. Big I know time. he was on mixtape and he basically admitted, like, yeah, he's, I'm five, like, I'm six eight, like I'm not that tall, but he fucking all year was he was like great at protecting the rim and like that's exactly what they need. I know he's not Draymond Green, but Draymond Green's an underside center that can really protect the rim. So if they can get that, like. That's going to be absolutely huge because their defense was just so bad last year. It was absolutely atrocious. And uh, that's why I kind of am starting to get bought in with Boylan because I feel like his goal is to make them play gritty and make them play tough. And the one way you can show that is their defense. And if he can get them to buy in, uh, I think that can work wonders for this team because I think they're going to shoot the hell out of the ball this year. Making like another baseball analogy, I feel like Boylan is – the same exact thing what Rick Rentry used to be for the Cubs and exactly what Rick Rentry is now for the Sox. Like, they're young. Teach them to play the right way. And eventually when they are ready to win and be the top-of-the-line, like, contender, then you get, like, an actual fucking coach in there <laughs> instead of Jim Boyle. No. You know what? And I thought that's that's what I wanted to bring up to you is it kind of reminds me of, like, a, <laughs> like, what the Bears wanted to do with, like, Lovey Smith to Mark Chessman. Uh-huh. Like, okay. The defense is set. Like, we're okay. Now let's just fucking, like, get a good offensive coach and let's just see if we can become an all-around team. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it didn't no, work. But I completely, I completely agree with that. I think that's what's going to be the next step for the Bulls. Like, it would just be, like, once the, the Bulls 2023, like, championship DVD comes out, there can be, like, special shout-outs to Boylan. Like, yeah, without Boylan, we could never have been this tough. It couldn't have had this grit that we got, like, four or five years ago. I don't know. But, um, well, no, look at, look at like the Warriors and like Mark Jackson to like, uh, Steve Kerr, like he got them playing so well. And then they're like, all right, you're out the door, Steve, come on, oh, do what you got to do. Round the boys. Mark up. Jackson covering those finals the year after he got fired was just so funny and sad at the same time, like having to watch and commentate the team that you build and help coach just like absolutely flourish. It's so sad. I feel bad for him to this day every time they force him to just commentate for those games. Oh, poor guy. But then, um, so that's like basically all the young players that they got through the draft. 
but specifically this offseason because they did make a good amount of moves with Thaddeus Young, the European guy from Washington. I'm not going to try and pronounce his name. He played great in the FIBA World Cup, but what roster move really stuck out to you like this offseason in general? All right. Well, I'm, I'm just going to break it down, and then I guess I'll give you the one that I like it the most at the end. Um, Thad Young, I like I said, he passes the ball well. He can kind of shoot the corner three pretty good. Um, but I think what's underrated about him is his leadership, and I think that's what we really need right now. Um, he's going to make you know make all of them play well. He's going to make sure that we're disciplined. I think he's going to bring the team together. That's something that we were lacking last year. We had so many young players, random-ass D-League players, that probably should be overseas instead of actually on an NBA roster. So I think Thad's going to be important for that to be a leader on the bench. And then uh, moving over to Sadoransky, I'm really excited for him because – I really think that he's just a European Lonzo Ball that can shoot the hell out of the ball. Um, I know I was like reading some stats too that he actually is a very efficient shooter, which is super important for our team because that's something that we've been lacking in for a while is that guards who can shoot the ball. Um, yeah, and he can. he's very unselfish. And with Sadoransky, I'm excited because I know that Otto Porter talked to the front office about him. So, I mean, that's another thing that's important for chemistry because that's really what we need to get down right now is chemistry, and I feel like everyone's starting to get together. Um, Sadoransky shoot the hell out of the ball. He's really good at passing. He's unselfish. Uh, the stats that I was looking up is that he was um, a very efficient shooter, which is kind of underrated with his game, and he's low-key got some bunnies, and that's going to be just fun to watch like highlight-wise because he's just going to yam on someone that we don't expect. Like I could see Rudy Gobert definitely being on a Sadoransky poster, and I'm all in on that. Fucking like last year towards the end of the year with fucking um, Alex Caruso on the Lakers, just typical little white guy, balding head, has this creepy-ass mustache. He just he has bunnies. Like He yams on people. Like, he gets up there and just fucking throws it down. It's so funny. It's like the most typical like white guy that you see at LA Fitness, and he's just getting up there. Dude, yeah, that's why I'm super excited because like every team needs that token white guy who can just throw down. And then uh, what else did we do over the summer? We did we re-signed Archie, which I think is super important because he's literally the definition of grit. Like you look it up and you look at Ryan Archie Diacono, and literally the uh, the it's just a picture of Archie. yeah, literally that's him. Um, I always think about that one highlight he had over uh, last year where he dove for that loose ball and he passed it to like Otto Porter and then Otto Porter threw an alley-oop and you just see Jim Boylan smiling from ear to ear because he's like, this is my son. This is literally what I envisioned like my players. And uh, it's just cool. Like I like, he reminds me a lot of Kirk Heinrich and I think about the time that Kirk Heinrich put Rajon Rondo into the scores table. I feel like Archie's going to get a little bit of fire and just fight someone and I'm going to be here for it. We need that type of grit for this team. Fucking Kirk Heinrich, being a LeBron guy myself, like just fucking Kirk Heinrich, like tackling LeBron. And just every time you go to the hoop, just accepting that you're not going to defend him or block him, but just literally bear hugging him and bring him to the ground. Absolutely. That's just terrific. That's what the Chicago Bulls need. If Archie Danacano can do it, good yeah, for him. Yeah, I'm totally in for that. As for any – But which one – No, you're good. Go ahead. Which one is like your your top your favorite your the most important? I think it's Sadoransky, no doubt. Because you know what we need, uh, like we need a point guard. Despite the fact that I am a fan of Chris Dunn, and I'll talk about that later, I think we need someone who's going to be able to move the ball and keep it moving. Because we have so many scores with Laurie and Zach. Like, come on, you have to keep the ball moving to get them open. And uh, I think Sadoransky is going to be good for that. 
you said you had something on Chris Dunn. Get into it. Cause I don't really have a, a segment for you to talk about Chris Dunn. So it's well, just well. Here's the thing. Now. Like I'm a fan of Chris Dunn, and I think that he can be a really good point guard. Um, I just I need to see what he does this year in terms of shooting. Defensively, he's a dog. Uh, his hustle, his grit, like he's a dog in that aspect. But offensively, he just does not see the court very well, and that's a that's a problem. Like he turns over the ball too much. Um, he doesn't hit the open guy, and like that scene with the statistics, like him and Zach did not play well together, which is really bad because those are your two guys. Like those before Lori became like what we know Lori to be, it was the team was supposed to be around Chris and Zach. So the fact that they can't work well together kind of scares me. And if he can't thrive off the bench, like we're not even going to be able to trade him because nobody wants him. So we're just going to end up releasing him. And I'm going to see a team like the Spurs pick him up and turn him into a like a defensive hawk. And they're just going to use him like in key situations. And that's sad because like I know that's what he could be for the Bulls. But it just seems like the front office is out on him. And I don't know. I just don't see, see what – Like I know – not on the level of Pat Beverly and like um, how Avery Bradley just used to be absolute defensive studs. But if Chris Dunn can just come off the bench 10 to 15 minutes a game when you're playing a team with like elite scoring guards and just be like, hey, go follow them a couple of times, get in their head, get in their fucking jacket, like get up in their skin and follow them for 10 to 15 minutes. If that's all you're asking Chris Dunn to do, I think he is more than capable. Of no, doing that's that. that's definitely what I can envision as well. Um, I'm also a big Chris Dunn guy just because I remember there was a clip when Zach was out for a little bit. I think it was the 2017-2018 season. They were playing the Pacers, and uh, Chris was basically handed the ball. and It's like, yo, go close the game. He hits like this mid-range shot over somebody on the Pacers, and he literally looked at the camera and was like, yo, fuck him. Get the fuck off me. And like, I don't know what it is, but like seeing that type of energy from like a Bulls player during a losing season, last couple seasons we were losing, it just it hypes me up because it's like, Yo, like we want a guy that is that passionate, and like we even Derrick Rose, like he wasn't that passionate, um, or he didn't show it, I guess. And I like to see that on the court for my like, you know, the Bulls players that I root for because it's cool. It gets you hyped up from your couch, because that's all we are at the end of the day, fans from the couch. We want to get hyped up. Oh, that's what sports are. Sports are just supposed to be exciting. It's supposed to be fun to watch. And if you want guys fucking going nuts. That's what you want. Like some fans don't want that, but those people are fucking boring. I don't appreciate those fans. I want my players going absolutely nuts. Like baseball, I want my players bat flipping. I want, I don't know. I just want my players showing emotion. If and I don't know, it's yeah, important. I, I definitely agree. But you're talking about how it has been tough for Bulls in the last couple of years, kind of watching under underperforming teams, teams that finish in the lottery, top ten every year in the lottery the last couple of years. What do you think this team can do? Like, what do you think it's the ceiling? All right, so I think – well, I think the ceiling is the floor. Shout out to Michael Jordan. (laughs) Um, No, I I think the ceiling is probably, I want to say, 41 and 41 and sneaking into the eighth seed, like if I'm being realistic. Um, The floor, I could see us probably being like – what is there, 82 games in a season? So like 30 and 52. Yeah. Whereas, like, and the only thing that's really going to bring us that uh, low is injuries. I'm, like, basically completely with you on that. Like, I don't – this team doesn't have enough top-line talent to win, like, 55-plus, but they also are too talented and have, like, basically – they have eight playable guys, and, like, that's basically too much in this NBA to win less than, like, 30 games just because there's so many taking teams. There's a lot of basically free Ws on the schedule. Like, if you have eight playable guys, you're going to win around – 
35, 40 yeah, games. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, I think it's really going to start with um, just how they begin the season. Because if we start off on a losing streak again, I just don't know how. <laughs> I mean, I know Boylan got an extension, but I just don't know how he isn't under fire right away. Because, like, there's been so much hype around this team. Like, even, like, when you hear, like, podcasts, like, mixtape, even, like, giving a little bit of credit to the Bulls, I'm like, okay, well, this is a little little scary because now we have, like, actual expectations that we haven't had in, like, uh-huh. three years. That is pretty weird. Like, it's kind of the same with the Bears. Like, this is the first time since about, what, 2010 that there were expectations going into a season. Like, yeah, it kind of feels it's weird. it's kind of scary because, like, I know that they're all so young and – I just don't know how they're going to respond to it. It seems like Zach Levine's ready, and I think that like he's going to be the one that kind of dictates it. But I, <laughs> I don't know. It's a little concerning for me on this end. I don't know. I feel like in the age of social media, I feel like younger players are ready quicker to deal with the big moments. Kind of like because they're growing up in high school. Like most of these guys were probably four star, five star athletes coming out of high school, and like. They have their mixtapes. They have all their shit. Like, they have all the attention already. Like, it's not like how it used to be where you would go to high school and college and never be fucking hurt until you get to the NBA. But now it's like, these guys have been in the spotlight probably, like, at least yeah. 10 years. No, I, I don't know. I completely agree. Any uh, Anything else to add? Because we are kind of going long, but um, I thought this was really good. Honestly, I, if there's one thing that, like, I want, like, the listeners to watch this year is how Chandler Hutchinson does because I think he's another one of those players and I've said that probably about like half the roster now but he's one of those players that if he breaks out that's going to be unreal for the Bulls because he's supposed to be a two-way player that like makes a big impact off the bench or even possibly cracks the lineup because like with Otto Porter being on his last year of his deal I, I don't know what's going to happen are we going to max him out in the off season, are we going to trade him during the season, move Chandler up to the starting lineup? There's a lot of questions that I have about that because if we let Otto Porter go for free, I'm going to be pissed off because like it's either we're going to grow with him or we're just going to max him out and hope that he steps it up to another level. Uh-huh. But I don't think Otto Porter is a max guy. It would be great like the first 20 games you see something from Chandler Hutchinson and like, all right, we can maybe go get like a back end first rounder for Otto Porter, like trade him off to a contender. But yeah, and then just get extra. Well, absolutely, I think Porter that like if we take some like a, a project, like I wouldn't mind trading Otto Porter to the Grizzlies, like a team that kind of wants to see if they can contend for a playoff spot, and we get a project like Josh Jackson, and maybe get like a second round pick or possibly like a first, which is unlikely. I don't think we're gonna get a first for yeah. Otto Porter, but if we can get a project in the second round pick, I'll be more than happy. Yeah, so this was Benny, good friend Benny. Go follow him on Twitter, at WideEyes35. Great follow on Twitter. Um, he'll probably be arguing with me about the Lakers all year. Good to follow and track. Um, you'll probably hear him again on this podcast. I'm most likely, nearly certain you'll hear him again. This will not be the last of Benny. Hey, thanks Thank for having me on. Thank you very much for coming uh, on, Ben. Once again, go follow me on Twitter, W-I-D-E-Y-E-S-35. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, man. All right. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of the episode, guys.